everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It's a brand new week <laughs> here on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for um, everything. I mean, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. We know there's a lot of other radio shows out there. We know there's a lot of other internet uh, radio shows, podcasts, and all of this kind of stuff. And But uh, we know there's a lot of competition out there and to uh, make it in this world no matter what you do you have to be good at it you have to you have to offer uh, something different you know you got to offer something different you got to be different even if you offering the same old product as your competitive competitor is doing uh, do something different with it do something uh, nobody has ever seen before. Make a statement. Um, in this world uh, today, you have to be good at what you do. You have to be the best at what you do or you will be left behind. As I tell people and my son, ask questions. You don't know something. You don't understand something. You're trying to figure out what direction you want to go. Ask somebody. Open your mouth and talk. You're not going to get anywhere in the world being silent. You're not going to get anywhere in the world being shy and bashful. You have to talk. You have to open your mouth. You're listening to my show every day. You see how I open my mouth. I should shed it probably sometimes. (laughs) But anyway, the point is your your voice your voice has power. Use it. And the power is not to be used for anything else but for your own endeavors. You know, you have to speak up. You have to talk. Something's not going right. You don't like it. Talk up. Because if you don't talk up, you're gonna miss out on a lot of things. There are so many people out here, professional people out here, educated people out here, smart people out here. If you don't talk up, if you don't let them know what's on your mind and what they can do for you, you're going to miss out. You have to speak up. You have to talk. You have to let people know if something's wrong. You, if you're curious about something, if it's something you don't know, something you should know, you think, ask questions. Ask someone. Or do some research online on, on whatever you are trying to uh, – Whatever you want to know and what are you trying to do in life, research online because everything is online. I mean, every, you know, I told my son the other day, I said, you don't have to go out to <laughs> you don't have to go to nobody's college, anyone's college. Uh, you don't have to go to any classroom outside of your home to go to college. You can go to college right there on your computer, right there on your PC. I don't I didn't say phone. OK, I said <laughs> a laptop computer. OK, uh, you, you don't. Everything and anything now can be done online. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody knows about working at home. I mean, working at home, if you have a great computer, you have Wi-Fi or uh, some some, some kind of a computer connection that will give you the World Wide Web, you can work at home. You don't have to go out to anybody's job. There's a thousand work-at-home jobs out here that you can do at home. You don't want to deal with people? Hey, 
<laughs> you don't want to deal with the commute or the long drive to work or catching a train, a subway train or something, something like that. You can always work at home. But you have to realize a lot of these work-at-home jobs that you see on the Internet and other places are just scams. They are scamaroonies. So you have to – but there's some legitimate stuff. Anytime you find a work-at-home job and someone says, well, send us $1,000 and we'll send you uh, a list of places to apply for uh, work-at-home jobs, don't do it. It's a scam. I mean, there there are work at home jobs out here, and they're hard to find. They're not that easy to find. Uh, legitimate ones, and you don't have to pay a cent. They pay you, you know. So, uh, but it's a lot of work at home scams. How did I get on work at home? <laughs> anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, broadcasting straight up out of Chicago, folks. We're we're starting a uh, brand new days a week from six o'clock to. Um, 7.30, sometimes 8, 8.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30 p.m. Chicago time. Um, I want to say one thing about the guests, some of the guests that I book on the show. Some of them going to get pissed off because of this. But um, um, I, I book a lot of guests on the show. I'm the one who sends out the ad- advertisements for the, the guests to be to appear on the show. I do everything. I think I should do everything. Why would I pay anybody to do something that I can do? But anyway, I'm the producer. Um, I, I want to just shout out to some of the guests out there who declined to be on the show, not because they didn't like the show. They just felt uh, that it was the that they couldn't do the show at any particular time because they had another engagement. So a lot of the uh, guests would call off the show because they're doing something else in this time slot. Uh, and, and they don't want doing this show to conflict with whatever else they've got doing. But, however, what gets me is that when I send out these advertisements for, advertisements for the show, I make sure to tell them what times uh, the show is on the air. I make sure to tell them uh, what time to uh, be here or call in. I make sure to tell them that the, uh, uh I'm very specific about the times of the show. It's been like this for years. So, uh, you know, I'm on from uh, uh, 6 p.m. in the evening to 7.30 or 8 in the evening every single day of the week except for Friday. If I'm off for any length of time, it could be due to an emergency or maybe I'm not feeling that well but uh, and I don't have anyone to replace me. Uh, no one good anyway. <laughs> but anyway, well, I guess what I'm saying is that when I do book book guests for the show, I expect them to be here. I expect them to call in when they're supposed to, because they after I contact them, they contact me back saying that they want to be on the show, and they should have or maybe looked at the times that the show is on the air. I I, I am not going to. Just because some guests will call me and say, Mr. Wilderwheel, well, I can't do it uh, the day uh, the the day of the show and, and the time that it's aired because I'm doing something else. I said, you know, uh, can you uh, can you uh, change your time? Can you t- change your slot? Can you change this to make uh, my appearance on your show 
can you accommodate me in putting me in, on your show at a certain time? No. No. My show is on when it's on. <laughs> and I, as I've said, I make, when I sound these advertisements, I make it clear what time the show is on. And I make it clear what time a guest should call in. I make that plain clear. Then the guest will contact me. Yeah, I want to be on your show. Yeah, I want to be on your show. I say, okay. Then I book them. If they're, if they meet all the qualifications, I'll book them. You know. So, but then when I book them, after they tell me they want to be on the show, well, Mr. Wilder, I can't be on the show because it's conflicting with something else that I'm doing. Can you uh, reschedule me and put me on at this time and at that time? No. I do not do this show around guests, around uh, – I do not do that. You, if you can make it to the show at the, times, at the times that are specified, great. But don't ask me to create a show or, or to uh, do a show around your schedule. <laughs> it's not going to happen, you know, because – it's just not going to happen. You either uh, work with the time slots that I give you for the show or you don't do the show, period. It's not going to hurt my bottom line one way or the other. It's just that I wish guests would, uh, uh, if, if they feel that they can't do the show at a, at a certain time that the show is on the air, they should not contact me about being booked on the show if they can't do it because this show is on in the evening, I, I'm not gonna uh, reroute the show to, uh, and I don't care who you are, for you to be on it, and then you're off to another show, uh, another. Sh- uh, no, 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 no. That's good. But you know, you got some guests like that, very selfish, very mean, very honorary. Feel that whatever they're offering, that you should build a platform around them. It's not going to happen. Not on my show anyway, but I, I love having guests on the show. I really do. I think it's, uh, it builds momentum. You know, it, it, it's, it's a great thing to be talking to people. And I love for my audience to listen to all kinds of uh, uh, views on this or that, whether it's political or something else. But anyway, uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. show. I hope I got that off my shoulder. <laughs> all right. Uh, it is so beautiful to Chicago. They're talking about 90 degrees in the city of Chicago tomorrow. Folks, I hope it's beautiful where you are. As I've always say on the show, uh, if it's beautiful, if the weather is cooperating where you are, it's beautiful and it's nice and it's, it's hot. <laughs> Get out and enjoy the weather. Enjoy nature. Get out there with your family. If you don't have a family, if you don't have friends, get out there by yourself and just enjoy uh, nature. If it's beautiful, if it's wonderful, and if it's safe to do so. (laughs) You got some neighborhoods where it's not safe to go outside because people are shooting. But if you live in an area where it is somewhat safe and uh, it's beautiful, it's nice, and you have great friends, you got great neighbors, Take a walk. Enjoy. Don't, do not sit up in a, in a hot house or a hot apartment, even if you have a fan, even if you have air conditioning. Get out there and enjoy yourself. Beautiful. Because as I've said on the show, I think it was last week, uh, 
I said, winter's coming. And you, <laughs> uh, you don't have the money to leave. <laughs> you don't have the money to leave uh, or go on a vacation. Hey, the vacation is right there in your, <laughs> in your community, in your neighborhood, uh, right outside your door. The, especially when the weather is cooperating. I'm saying this to all the seniors. You, no matter what your age, get out there and enjoy the weather. Walk for 30 minutes or an hour. It's also good for you. It's exercise. It gets the blood flowing through your limbs. Uh, it makes you feel good. Drink a lot of water. Did you know that drinking water gives you, if you drink enough water every day, it gives you a pleasant attitude towards anything. It really gives you a pleasant attitude. I mean, you're not pissed off. You're not angry. You're not upset. It really gives you a pleasant attitude. I mean, you, if you're walking outside, getting some air, getting some exercise, you run into a friend, friend of yours or, or some, somebody who's mean and nasty, you're going to smile. <laughs> you're going to smile, and you're going to be just as nice as you can be toward this asshole person because this is what water does. A lot of people don't know that, but it is so true. And I mean, if you don't believe it, ask your doctor or just research it online to find out about the benefits of drinking water. And I've done this, I've done a show on the benefits of drinking water a few years ago, and it was a hit. People just, just drinking water is, is a hit. It, it, your skin starts to look better, fresher, more healthier. You, uh, as I just got through saying, you have a more pleasant outlook. You have a more pleasant attitude. You're not angry. You're not mad. You're not pissed off. I mean, it, it, water doesn't make you go out and start smiling and grinning like an idiot. It just gives you a, a positive attitude about everything. It does. It really does, and it makes you look better. A lot of the, a lot of women wearing makeup. You don't need if you're drinking a lot of water, and it shows that you're drinking water. Uh, your skin is going to get brighter. It's going to get more moist. You won't need any lipstick or powder or water will do it all. It will, and it will. And you can ask ask any any skin doctor, any doctor, period, on the benefits of drinking water. And plus, it detox you. You know, it, it. Let's say if you have a lot of sugar in your blood, or you, or if you have a lot of salt in your blood, and your doctor says, "Hey, wow, you have a lot of salt. You got a lot of sugar. You drink enough water every day. You can flush all of that salt and sugar out of your body, and there goes your diabetes." I understand it's not easy. It's not easy for a lot of people, but it. You, but one of the things about drinking water, by you flushing so much out of your system, you can also flush the needed ingredients out of your system. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful because some of the things that your body uses, it needs like fat, some salt, some sugar, but not a hell of a lot. So when you're detoxing yourself uh, and if you flush everything out, of your body, uh, you may have to replenish some of those things later on, you know. Uh, but water is 
one of the greatest things there is. It's better than soda. It's better than sugary drinks. Uh, you know, and I try to tell my son and other people this too. Best thing you can drink. But you know why a lot of people don't like water? It's simple. It's not sweet. It. <laughs> yeah, they don't like it because it's not sweet. It's and because there's nothing in it. That's what makes it a better drink. But water will truly fill you up more than anything else. It will fill you up. A lot of people who are have these um, pot bellies, a lot of people are just, it's just plain old water weight. weight. Some of it is just plain water weight. Some of this pot belly, you know, it's water weight, especially if you drink a lot of water. Yeah, you gain weight drinking water. But as soon as you go to the bathroom, it comes right out. And that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people don't drink water, because it makes them pee. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. You know, because when you pee, you're losing weight. When you pee, you're losing water weight. And when you pee, if your pee is really, 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 really dark yellow, then you need water. Because you look in the toilet and your piss is yellow than yellow, dark, dirty yellow, you need water. And uh, when you see your urine that color, something is wrong. You better do something. To try to lighten up that urine. I mean, when you go in the bathroom, if your urine is not the color of the water that comes out of your faucet, something is wrong. Your urine, if you go in the bathroom and take a a piss, um, and your urine looks really clear like water that comes from your faucet, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. So I believe that drinking water, matter of fact, I know drinking water is one of the best drinks that you can do. It's very, very healthy for you, but a lot of people don't like it because it's not sweet. It's not a milkshake. It's not a Coke. It's not a Coke. It's not a great pop. <laughs> There's nothing in it. So people don't like it. And, the, the, uh, and a lot of people will not drink it. Because of that, but they're missing out on a lot of healthy benefits from drinking water. Really, really, really. Yeah. All right. You've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. My guest is Arthur Barcha Gotez, something like that. Anyway, he can always pronounce his name a little bit better than I can. You know. All right. You've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show, making the world as a Making the world a better place. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. A weakness is often a strength that goes too far. All right. I always leave comments on the uh, <laughs> on this a a great summer day in the city of Chicago. As I've said again, folks, try to get out there and enjoy the weather. If you haven't been out there already, you know it is beautiful. It is beautiful. And uh, I'm I'm in my studio here as always, and I have to have this great big window in front of me, and I can look out on the avenue, and I can see people um, uh, out there enjoying the weather. And you should too. 
You should be out there too. It should be nothing to stop you from getting out there. But I can't walk. My legs hurt. My feet hurt. That's the best time to get out there and exercise is when things are hurting. I mean, if you're hurt, well, if you if you're hurting in a way that you can't move, then you know you can't get out there. But if you just if you if you can still walk, and I think that's another thing I want to say. I think exercise is the greatest thing for pain. It's the greatest thing for pain. I mean, dropping uh, prescription drugs. That is not the greatest thing for pain. The greatest thing for pain is to exercise. Say your knee's hurting or your leg is hurt or whatever. Uh, exercise, you know, 30 minutes a day and, and the pain will go away. Because your, your legs and your limbs are getting stronger because of the exercise every day. And it's fighting the pain off. If you're healthy as a cow, that pain will stay away. But if you're not healthy, uh, the pain will come. Why do you think so many people 55 and older, they don't fall uh, down uh, in their homes and their apartments anymore because they are exercising. The stronger your limbs are, it will keep you from falling. Remember, uh, I've fallen and I can't get up. You've fallen with exercise. If you fall, you will be able to get up no matter what age you are. Some people just let themselves go. I mean, if you don't exercise, you don't do shit, you don't do this, you don't do that. Of course, if you fall, you, can't, you, you will not be able to get up. And then you're going to either have to call a family, family member to help you up or the, the, or the fire department or something. But a lot of people wear those um, alert braces in case in, if they fall or slip in their apartment. Uh, they can alert someone to come and um, help them up off the floor. But you don't have to fall on the floor, period, no matter what age you are, if you try to stay in shape. But I, I understand that sometimes we get too old where we can't do a damn thing. You know, I mean, everything is, is just um, horrible. But I think if you start off while you're young uh, and get into your – it'll benefit you throughout your uh, golden years uh, – Remember that old saying, whatever you do when you're young is going to come back to haunt you when you're old. That is very, very true. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And it's such a beautiful day. I, and and uh, I just love it. I, I, <laughs> I remember watching this movie with, with Nicolas Cage. I think it, it was called Bad Lieutenant. Nicholas Cage has made so many rotten movies, but this is a good one. Uh, I don't know how many people have actually seen it or anything, but it's called Bad Lieutenant. And uh, it was it's the scene in there where he captures a drug dealer, comes out of the apartment or whatever it is, bungalow, with the gun to the back of the guy's head as he's going down the stairs and about to be put into a police wagon or something. And Nicholas Cage, he takes a gun from, he takes a gun and puts it back into his holster and he just walks down the stairs and he's saying, I love it. I just love it. I just love it. And uh, I, it just kind of 
made me laugh. I, you know, I, I, I guess you have to see it to get the gist of what I'm talking about. Anyway, we will be back. We're going to take a musical break, and then we will be back. Then we will be back on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Stay with me, everybody. commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to 10. It's a padded list. Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told, so they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain, when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick ten? Why ten? Why not nine or eleven? I'll tell you why. Because ten sounds official. Ten sounds important. They knew if it was eleven, people wouldn't take it seriously. Say, what, are you kidding me? The Eleven Commandments? Get the fuck out of here. But ten... Ten sounds important. Ten is the basis for the decimal system. It's a decade. It's a psychologically satisfying number. The top ten, the ten most wanted, the ten best dressed. So having ten commandments was really a marketing decision. (laughs) And to me, it's clearly a bullshit list. It's a political document artificially inflated to sell better. I'm going to show you how you could reduce the number of commandments and come up with a list that's a little more workable and logical. We're going to start with the first three, and I'll use the Roman Catholic... (laughs) All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is... (laughs) We're back, folks. I was just thinking about George Carlin, uh, the late George Carlin. He was such a funny comedian. He was just... I mean, we lost a jewel when we lost George Carlin. You know, and... But, you know, his... His albums, his commu- his uh, 
his comedy albums, his movies, and we still have those things to remember him by. And every now and then I'll play the clip on the show of remembering George Carlin on the George Wilder Jr. show. Let's go to let's go over here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Um, hi, this is Brucka Gatz. Okay, thank you for doing the show. How's it going? It's going great. <laughs> okay, give my <laughs> okay, give my audience a uh, a small uh, bio of you and tell us what you do. Uh, okay, well, uh-huh. um, I'm the author of 37 children's books. I I saw that. <laughs> And recently, um, I published um, something for adults, my first thing for adults. It's, it's a memoir of my life. Uh-huh. And um, the, the main message from this memoir, which has a really interesting title, which is Searching for God in the Garbage, um, the, the, that's the title of the memoir. And what it's about is about recovering from food addictions and how to recover from food addictions joyfully. So um, basically the, the book is like it has diary entries, uh, so it shows the progression of how I developed um, food addictions, it's starting from age 12, and it, and it goes up to age 32. It's, it has the actual diary entries and then journals as I got older and letters I wrote to people. And um, it has, it's, kind of, um, it's kind of a psychological mystery, but what, what I really w- enjoy sharing with the world is, is the concept that we can recover from addictions joyfully and that people, that the basis for addictions, there's a spiritual basis for addictions. And um, when, in terms of food addictions, people... They're, they're, they're trying to fill a hole inside, an emptiness inside. And it's, it's relentless because the, the hole doesn't go away. It, it certainly doesn't go away with eating more and more food. So people, they, they tend to overeat thinking that that temporary pleasure will take away the emptiness. Um, but it's a very temporary pleasure, and it doesn't last. And and the only real way to fill the emptiness is with spiritual pleasures that really last because those are the deepest pleasures and it's really a spiritual yearning that that people have that makes them develop addictions. Whether it's a food addiction or a different type of addiction, it it all comes from a spiritual emptiness. And um, we can fill it in all kinds of ways. Um, we can fill it, like let's say a person's right in the middle of overeating. If, if they ask themselves just this one simple question, they can ask, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? And when you ask yourself that one question, is it my body that's hungry or my soul, then you recognize right in that moment which part of you is truly hungry. And then you can fill the part of you that is genuinely hungry because if you're overeating, your body's not hungry. It, it got what it needed, and it, your people overeat because, because something else is missing from their lives. So um, people, 
people talk about emotional eating, but but this goes even deeper than that because our souls are at an e- even deeper level than our emotions. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, like, I, I was gonna go say ahead. I do I, I do uh, I was gonna say I do like the uh, searching for searching for God searching for God in the garbage. I think that's a is that the title of your book or is that that's, just that's the title of the book? Yes, because that's that what I did. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, really, because that's it is. It really is awesome, and and. Uh, I, it's something different because I do think the public out here, the listening public, uh, they need to, to 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 hear and to read something different, like uh, searching for God in the garbage. I mean, this is going to make somebody, what the hell is she talking about? Let me go read them. You know, and you're talking about basically food addiction. Yeah, and, exactly. But that's a great title, and you you talk about food food pleasures if people had um what are some of your food pleasures uh can you um it says what are uh they're missing some of their food pleasures i mean there's a lot of people who overeat sometimes yeah. i'm a victim of overeating you yeah. know and but uh i think myself and other people we overeat simply because we just like to eat you think? even though you think? we don't Really? That's what you <laughs> uh, But, you know, that's what I used to think. I don't think that now because I don't overeat now. You know, okay. earlier uh, in my life, I, you know, we all we just, you know, like to eat. People like to eat. That's why we have so many fast, fast food places. And But we have to learn how not to uh, indulge when it's uh, um, screwing up our bodies and, and yeah. somewhat. And you saying that finding God could could probably make you want to curtail your your eating, especially if you're not hungry. Right, feeding your soul. Feeding your soul instead of your body curtails your eating, exactly. And you could do that in so many ways, like not just in a limited kind of way. We feed our souls when we give to other people. That mm-hmm. that That fills us with a joy that lasts. It lasts much longer than a bag of potato chips. You know what I mean? It's like it fills mm-hmm. us with a, a lasting kind of joy. And so, like, like, let's say a person's sitting around and overeating a bag of potato chips. Like, if they suddenly decide, oh, I, I don't need to be feeding my body. I'm not really hungry. It's my soul that's hungry. They can text or they can call somebody who's lonely. And suddenly... Like that hunger for the potato chips goes away because they're they're doing something really simple, but it's a kindness, and that fills that person's soul right then and there in that moment, you know. So, or they could like go outside and just breathe in some beautiful nature, feel the sunshine. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're saying find something to take your mind off eating. Well, that's the thing. It's not just a distraction. It it actually fills your soul. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. it's not just takes your mind off of eating. You are feeding what's really hungry, and that's your soul. So many people's souls are very hungry nowadays, and, and so they overeat. But really, 
if 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 we instead they would recognize that it's a very simple recognition so that's what my book is about making the distinction between your body and your soul and then if you instead of overeating people will fill their souls and be much happier they'll be much happier people and cuz 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 when we fill our souls it's a lasting joy that goes way beyond eating a candy bar. You know what I mean? A candy bar gives us pleasure. A candy bar really does give us pleasure for that minute when we're eating it. But afterwards, that's gone. But when we do a kindness for somebody, that, that, that fills our soul and like it just makes our whole day happier. You know, we, it, it keeps generating, generating more and more joy. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go from, writing 37 children books to writing searching for god in the garbage okay that's a good question well <laughs> yeah you know um i i mean i have a very interesting kind of life i mean i was like mm-hmm. i was a student at harvard university and i was like going to become like this psychiatrist and i was in medical school and um but as I was doing all that stuff, I was also developing an eating disorder. And so um, even though I looked like I was having this great life, yeah. I, was, I was really losing my soul. I, it was like I just felt something is missing from my life. And I, the, 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 the desperation got stronger and stronger. Even though I looked great on the outside, inside I was really suffering. And so... I, I searched into all kinds of religions. I just kept searching, and and finally, when when um, when I discovered that it was my soul that needed to be filled, um, I'm I'm Jewish, so um, yeah. eventually I started learning about Judaism, and that filled my soul. What what fills any particular soul could be something different, but for me. Uh, I eventually went back to learning about my own religion, even though mm-hmm. I studied I studied about Christianity and Buddhism and different things. But and I found a lot of truth in every religion. But but you know I was made Jewish, and so I uh, I fed my own Jewish soul what it needed. So that's that's yeah. my story. That's my story of how it happened. And uh-huh. um, and then the amazing part is that when I started learning about the ancient wisdom and Judaism and stuff, like, my eating disorder was over. Like, suddenly, oh. I'm like, had that happen? Because, <laughs> and then I recognized, like, in the book, it, it, it talks mm. about the development, and then, and then how I got better, is because once my soul was filled, I didn't have that intense hunger anymore. Um, mm. And so the emptiness went away, and I started yeah. living a very joyful life. So that's what I wanted to share with other people. And basically, the children's books that I write, um, you know, even though, like, I went to Harvard and stuff like that, like, I really love to write about the most basic, like, really deep ideas, but in a very simple way so that young children could understand them because I'm trying to write the books that I wish I had when I was a child so that yeah yeah so I could understand life and I like to help other children to understand life great, so great. <laughs> okay all right author Bracha Gotis 
on the George yes. Wilder Jr. show. Did, did I do, did I pronounce your name <laughs> okay? Yeah, you did a good job. I it's, pro- go. it's pronounced Getz, but it's spelled G-O-E-T-Z, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, very, on the George Wilder good. Jr. show. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, do you have an excerpt you can share with us from your latest book? Oh, or? yeah. Okay, yeah. here okay. I go. I'm gonna read. Right. I'm gonna read this poem. It's called "One More Potato." One more potato chip. Okay, one more potato chip. One more potato chip. After <laughs> this, no more will pass they are between. My, yes. After this, no more will pass between my lips. I've got to have it. Can't live without it. I'll take only one more unnoticeable bit. I'd like a thin slice, please. Another small slice, please. After this one, I surely will feel all at ease. I I really need it now. I deeply need it now. One more scoop. I'll be contented as a cow. I'll take one tiny bite. Okay, just one more bite. Is there a cure for my insatiable, insatiable appetite? One chocolate chip cookie, two chocolate chip cookies. I could finish up the box when no one is looking. I've got this hunger. It's a strange hunger. When the last piece of cake is gone, it's even stronger. While gobbling up some food, then gobbling up more food, why, I am in just the most delightful mood. But when it's over, Mm. oh, when it's over... The emptiness I tried to bury is uncovered. God, you placed within me this deep spiritual hole. It's not my, stu- it's not my stomach that is hungry. What is starving is my soul. Oh, wow, that was beautiful. I think that's great. <laughs> and your book is called Searching for God in the Garbage. You folks out there, you hear that? Searching for God in the Garbage. It's uh. <laughs> It's about food addiction, and yes. um, you know, and it sounds great. You make it sound great. You make it sound wonderful. All right, mm-hmm. where can we get the book? Where can we find it? Well, the the best place is on Amazon. You you just go to my Amazon, Amazon okay. page, Bracha Gets B R A C H A, and then Gets G O E T Z. And you look for yeah. Searching for God in the Garbage, and you'll see all my books there on my Amazon page. That's the best place to to check me out. Yeah. <laughs> you've done 27. You've done 27 uh, kids' books. I mean, that's a lot of writing. You, you, yeah. What do you feel about uh, writing? Uh, you you do a lot of writing. That's prolific. And and uh, what is it that you really like about writing that you would like to share? Well, I actually don't like to write that much. This sounds funny because my books are picture books, so there are really very few words mm-hmm. in all my books. Like, they're very simple, you know. I don't like to spend yeah. a lot of time writing, but um, I love oh. to get messages out to the world. So I kind of write okay. very simply, and that's how it goes. So, um yeah, I just, I really just like to help people. That's what I like to do, and I feel that... Yeah. The message in this book can help a lot of people, I hope. And, and it is already, like yesterday I got a message from someone on Facebook. She wrote to me, 
I just read the book three times consecutively <laughs> because, because <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. She goes, because it yeah. really, it, it hits right on target, she said, to what her problem is, you know? So I was just yeah, going to I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask you how how was the book being received and how were people reacting to it? Yes, thank and you. And you told yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can see, I'm, I mean, I'm getting a lot of reviews that it's really hitting mm-hmm. people, you know. And um okay. yeah. and I want to I want to see I want to see it really be like a global thing that people will just it's like stop unnecessary overeating because it's like it's such a pointless thing, it's such an unhealthy thing and more so yeah. they can get so much more joy out of life. Like food is pleasurable. Yeah. But we don't need to overdo it, you know. <laughs> we we yeah, can do you, other you're right. <laughs> you are right. Uh, all right. Uh, do you have a website? Well, the the best thing is the Amazon, my Amazon author page, because okay. it has all my books okay. at once. Yeah, that's the best okay. thing. Bracha gets Amazon, and uh, you'll find me. That's really what good. What about on Facebook? I, are you on Facebook? I'm on Facebook. Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah. And, the reason but, why. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I ask is because I want to send you a link to the show where you can uh, share it, uh, share your time on the show with this link of, of oh, this good. particular yes. show. People can come by and hear you on the show as you just telling them not to overeat. Good. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, I can send you a link. And uh, you've been on the show. I mean, you've, you've been, uh, this is, I mean, you've been over 15 minutes on the show. You should use the link to let people hear you on the show, not particularly me, but you to talk about how you want to try and help everybody to uh, stop from overeating and stop, stop, uh, you know, searching for God in the garbage. I just love that title. I think it's great. (laughs) And I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, And you can come back on the show anytime you want. Just drop me an email because this is beautiful. I, I love the title. I love things that are different from the ordinary out there. Thank because you. stuff that's different, people are going to gravitate to, you know, because we don't want the same old thing. Thank you so right. much. And thank, for, you for, thank you for all the joy that you are spreading with your show. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, author Bacha gets on the George Wilder Jr. show talking about searching for God in the garbage. That is such a great title. Too bad I didn't think of it, right?
It is July 16th, 2018. Many are saying this is a day that will live in infamy. And that's true. They say it will be remembered as the day the presidency, as a symbol of America's protection, died. But I see something else as a result here. I think we hit bottom. And if so, there's a blessing in that because there can be no more debate about which way is up. Donald John Trump delivered us here with a display of cowardly self-interest. His decision to choose to believe Vladimir Putin over his own government on the matter of Russian attacks on our election. As simple and as shocking as it was embarrassing to hear those words. But when it happened, everything changed. It was like the free world gasped. Now, we all knew that Trump wouldn't and maybe couldn't confront Putin about his attack on our democracy to anyone's true satisfaction, if only because Trump had disparaged the truth of the matter too many times before. And we thought we knew why. Because Trump conflates the attack with his legitimacy as president. But in all that, we never suspected that a president would betray his own country as an exercise in vanity. But then Donald Trump betrayed America. And after that gasp at Trump's perfidy came all the exhaled words of outrage and calls for justice. John Brennan, the former CIA director under President Obama, called it, quote, nothing short of treasonous. Now, that's a loaded word. The law does mention giving enemies aid and comfort as treasonous. And no question, Russia is an enemy for attacking our democracy. And what Trump did today does resemble aiding and comforting. And the law has very harsh penalties, including disqualifying the treasonous from holding office. But what's the reality? There will likely be no negative consequence like that for President Trump. No prosecution, no impeachment. And I'm not making a case here that there should be. My case is for something else that we're seeing in response that has been elusive as elusive as justice in America recently, and that is consensus. Right, left, and reasonable in our government, when they drew their next breath, they found a collective voice, and they shouted, no, no, Putin is not right. Trump is wrong. We believe our institutions. We trust in our democracy. Russia did interfere. We will not trade facts for feelings of legitimacy. We will not trade our conscience for conspiracies. No, party is not that important. The truth, however, is, and I see a realization in this unity. The realization is this, the truth is a side. And we were all on the right side in this moment in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. And in that moment, Trump's luck ran out. He wasn't going to escape through doubling down and insulting his way out of it. He tried. Russia did this during Obama. Servers are missing. The FBI agent, he's the real culprit. It all washed over us like the whining of a child who won't go to bed. The GOP can't dismiss this as style and say, let's wait and see. We waited too long. And the world did see and heard what President Donald Trump said. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others, they said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin, Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this, I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people. 
But uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what the president tweeted after as a rationale, it only cemented his mistake. So here's the good news. Here we all are on the same page about a fundamental truth. Russia attacked our democracy. We won't stand for it. We won't let the president say otherwise. But we're facing a question. Where do we go from here? But here's what we know for sure. You've got Republicans, you've got Democrats, and right now they're on the same page. And if they move together, they will wind up in a better place. Polls show a majority of Americans disapprove of Donald Trump's performance as president, while Republicans are more loyal to him right now than any president's own party unity since the GOP rallied around Bush after 9-11. My next guest worked many Republican campaigns but opposes Trump's uh, policies and left the party over them. That's political strategist Steve Schmidt, who joins me in a moment. Now, Donald Trump not only polarizes people's feelings, he polarizes the very perception of reality out there, and he knows it. Consider Trump today in Kansas City warning people if they don't see the economy improving with their own eyes, it's because what they see is not real. This country is doing better than it's ever done before economically, but it's all working out. And just remember, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. While many politicians, of course, cherry pick information, Trump's blatant request that people ignore their own eyes could literally be ripped from George Orwell's famous dystopian novel, 1984, which cast partisan censorship of truth as the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. Now, liberals have long attacked Trump as bad for working people, a con man who ran on populism but governed for the 1%, a kind of a policy thief. Another critique is that Trump is actually challenging something more valuable than property, our sense of reality itself. Consider another dystopian writer, Curtis Jackson, who said, hate a liar more than I hate a thief. A thief is only after my salary. A liar is after my reality. In fact, in that same song, there is another axiom, quote, here's a jewel, love your enemies and hate your friends. Your enemies remain the same. Friends always change. And some of the friends who know Trump best are changing. Michael Cohen, Rick Gates, Mike Flynn. Meanwhile, Trump's wider cast of political friends, if you want to call them that, Republicans who never met him around the country, they're standing strong tonight and appear down with his reality. I'm joined by Steve Schmidt. Uh, Steve, what do you think Trump is doing? And is he aware to some degree that denying the publicly reported reality is key to his reelection? Of course, Ari, you talked about 1984. There's the famous scene at the end of the book where Winston is being tortured and the party official is holding up four fingers and says to Winston, how many fingers am I holding up? And Winston, being tortured in tears, says, I only see four. I see four. And the party official says, it could be three or it could be five. It's what the party tells you it is. And so it's not just that Trump is assaulting objective truth. This is a political strategy. This is about a demand for obedience. This is the transformation of a smaller Republican Party into a cult of personality where what the leader says is true is true. What the leader feels to be true is true. And if you can subordinate reality 
at the command of a political leader, you are no longer functionally living in a democracy, whether it's inside the United States or not. For a faction of this country, they have surrendered their sovereignty, their intellectual autonomy to Donald Trump. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I can't explain why, if you were to join a cult, why he would be the cult leader that you would line up and follow. That, that being said, though, when you're able to convince somebody what is certainly true is not, when you can embrace the big lie with the same type of effectiveness that fascist movements used it, that Hitler used it, that Mussolini used it, that Soviets used it, then you are well on your way to doing grave and lasting damage to the fundamental institutional pillars of a democratic mm. republic like the United States. And this president does not stand accused uh, of the conduct of some of those regimes, but with regard to the information there, the propaganda efforts, this seems to be where uh, Trump's approach and his insistence uh, that things that are true are false relates to the way he's uh, allegedly abusing the powers of the executive to control who has access to information to legitimize who can speak about national security and who can't, which dovetails back uh, with the security clearance story. For your reaction, take a look at Sarah Sanders on that. Garbage ever. Is Russia still targeting the U.S., Mr. President? Thank Press, you very let's much. go. Make your way out. No, you don't want to me the case. You had a chance to speak with the president after uh, his comments, and the president was said thank you very much and was saying no to answering questions. The president is exploring these mechanisms to uh, remove security clearance because they've politicized and in some cases actually monetized their public service and their security clearances and making baseless accusations of improper contact with Russia or being influenced by Russia against the president is extremely inappropriate. Steve. Ari, it's not just that there's no other spokesperson for the executive seat of power in a democratic republic anywhere in the world where you see that type of lying, it's that there has never been a spokesperson for the executive seat in power who is such a prolific liar as Sarah Sanders. She is straight out of Baghdad, Bob. Uh, it, it's truly remarkable the magnitude of her daily, her daily lying. But look, this is all part of a political strategy, and I've talked about it before. Trump uses mass rallies and constant lying to incite fervor in a political base. Two, he scapegoats minority populations and casts them to be blamed for every problem in the world. Three, he allows for his supporters to feel victimized, to feel victimized by the scapegoated populations. Everyone is a victim in Trump nation by design. It's part of the fuel. Uh, the last thing is the conspiracy. The coordination of the conspiracy between the deep state, the nefarious sources, the people when he talked about, for example, uh, Clapper, someone got to him yesterday. And then lastly, the assertion that Trump is above the law by Trump himself, that Trump defines what is reality, that Trump defines what's truth, and that Trump asserts heretofore un 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 unasserted powers for the executive in the United States. That, that have never been asserted in history before. I mean, these five things are happening. They're happening on a daily basis. The assault on the press, on the free media. 
we still have a First Amendment in this country, but he is as hostile to the free media as any president has ever been and any president could conceivably be in the United States. And so all of these things together are not isolated. It's part of a pattern. It's part of a strategy. And it's going to do grave damage to American democracy. And this is a moment in time where Republican leaders who have been complicit, have been silent, have been cowardice, are called on to defend the institutions, not of conservatism, not of the small L liberalism that the Democratic Party embraces, but the fundamental pillars of a liberal democratic society, which he is weakening every day. Right, and that's the connection as you draw it uh, between the, the assault on facts, the potential abuse of government power, and the undermining of the rule of law. Of course, it is law that ultimately is the way we adjudicate certain factual debates in this country. All of those things happening together. Steve Schmidt, thank you so much for joining us. Nothing's gonna change my love for you You wanna know by now 
Lauder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. All right. Uh, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on uh, <laughs> Black Talk Radio. A little entertainment there, folks. I hope you don't mind. Uh, the George, it is still beautiful in the city of Chicago. It is still great out here. All right. They're saying Trump couldn't mention McCain once. Trump signs act named after John McCain without mentioning McCain once. Uh Trump doesn't like McCain. He doesn't. He can't stand McCain. McCain can't stand Trump. Uh, the Republicans are imploding from within. All right, top GOP lawmaker's son gives money to Democrats running for father's seat. That's going on a lot because a lot of Republicans are turning to Democrats. A lot of Republicans. And, and another thing, folks, a lot of Republicans want to see Republicans voted out of Congress. They want to see Republicans they, because the Republicans cannot lead. They, they're refusing to lead on anything. The only thing the Republicans doing with Donald Trump is making it miserable for the people of America. That's all they're doing. They're not leading. They're not uh, standing up for America, of course, you know, Trump is a traitor. He gave America away to Putin, uh, and he constantly keeps doing it. Uh, yeah, a lot of Republicans, this is why I say there must be a blue wave. If there's not a, if the Republicans end up winning in November, it's going to be because they cheated. That's the only way they're going to win. It's go- And it's going to be proven and it should be nullified if they somehow have cheated and cheated with Russia. That's the only way these folks can win, it, uh, by cheating. That's all. And I'm thinking in 2000 when Bush won, that uh, Florida, so many people saying that was um, – they cheated back then, but the Democrats didn't fight it. If the Democrats would have fought it, they would have won it. Because back then they controlled uh, controlled the Senate and, and the House, they could have fought it and overturned it. But the Democrats, but the Democrats as they are today, weak, spineless, bunch of cowards. You know, this is why we have Donald Trump. The Democrats have to stop being weak and spineless, grow some balls, grow some toughness, because the Republicans are just doing all over them. You can I understand Democrats are liberals. Most of them are liberals, and they are kind and nice and understand the Republicans are not. And they don't give a damn, and they don't care. All right, tech companies promise to stop helping neo-Nazis raise money. You'll be surprised at the neo-Nazis in America, as in Charlottesville the other day, even a couple of years ago. Neo-Nazis, neo-Nazis in the White House in terms of Stephen Miller and Donald Trump. White supremacists all in the White House, in Congress, thugs, criminals, all. This is why we need a blue wave. Even if the Russians decide they really want to fuck with American midterms, if so many people, if, if people vote in, not in the hundreds of thousands, but millions, even if Russia 
decided to meddle in the uh, elections, the number of people that come out to vote will stop that. We'll stop it. So we are, you know, in a fight of our life for America. Donald Trump, this guy wants to be a dictator. His favorite people in the world are other dictators. He turned his back on America several times, several times. The guy is a traitor. He should be kicked out of he. Donald Trump is not going once if Donald Trump is impeached, even if he somehow hangs in there until 2020, if he hangs in there, he may not make it that far. But, you know, this guy, Donald Trump does not want to give up power. He loves it. He loves being president. He loves being the worst person in the world. He knows once he is out of that office, he will not have the perks of being president anymore. And, uh, you know, he's on his own. He is on his own. I've said several times, Donald Trump has a bullseye on his back, and he put a bullseye on his, par- on, on his family's back because of the kind of person that he is. He, and you think about it this way. He is hated throughout America. He is hated throughout the world. Think about how many leaders of other countries do not want him visiting their countries. And and if he does somehow visit it, visit their country, it's going to be massive, massive protests all over the place, and he knows it. So he comes back to America and fucks with Americans. Remember when we were saying that Donald Trump only he the 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 worst enemy to the american people is their own president we've said that uh for i don't know a year and a half on donald trump and it's coming to roost the worst enemy of the american people is in the white house and in congress because they're not talking about war with iran war with russia it's war with the American people, their own people of their own country. Donald Trump and the Republicans do not like America. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, they do not like America. They don't because they're trying to destroy it in the terms of making money. Donald Trump is in love with every dictator uh, around the world. He can't stand our allies. He can't stand our friends, which we need. He's alienating them, saying it's best thing for America. You know, I don't, I don't listen to Donald Trump talk anymore. I may see what he's said here or there or hear about a tweet. I don't read his tweets. I don't... Um, read his tweets. I don't uh, uh, listen to his speeches because, you know, he's he's shit in that department as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, you know, I do hear about I do hear about things he said and I, other people will read it and they'll, you know, tell me about it or I will see it somewhere online. But uh, I don't read, I don't follow him anymore. I have no respect for this guy. I have no respect for Donald Trump. Of course, he has no respect for me or any American. 
So why have respect for somebody who doesn't have respect for you? Why have respect for somebody who is at war with you? Donald Trump does not like America. The Republicans does not like America. They, they proved it. We don't have to debate it. You don't have to go verify that. You don't have to research it. If you're following what's going on, they have proved it several times that they didn't give a shit about America or Americans. Right now, if they're saying anything that, that Americans agree with, they're only saying it because they want to get votes. But after they get the votes, if they should win, win uh, um, if they should win the uh, uh in the midterms, they're going to go back to being their own vile, hateful, racist selves. So we have to do something. And, folks, I want to say something here. Aretha Franklin is being reported to be seriously ill. Uh, this has been reported out through – all out through the day. This Aretha Franklin is seriously ill. And we're going to talk more about that when I get back. Rita Franklin, seriously ill.
right, once again, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> um, soul sister number one uh, is seriously ill, according to a report. Franklin, she canceled planned concerts early earlier this year after she was ordered by her doctor to stay off the road and rest up. I'm looking at a photo of her right now, and she looks... Mm, she lost a ton of weight, folks. She is slim. I mean, the last time I seen Aretha Franklin, I mean, she was... She 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 was very, very, very heavy set. I don't want to say fat, but she was very... She was really, really heavy set. She was out there. I mean, she was... She was Marlon Brando. She was out there. She was huge. Uh, but now she's, she's thin and she's slim, uh, as if she lost the weight abruptly, very quickly. That could cause a problem. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she, uh, you know, her doctor told her to lose weight and she lost it. Some kind of, she may have had it shaved off her. They, she could have had surgery to remove those extra pounds. I'm not sure. I don't know, but I'm just looking at a photograph of her with a microphone and she looks, she's, she's slim, but, uh, she looks great. She's slim. She's slimmed down. But, uh, I'm thinking maybe this is the latest photograph of her. I've seen another photograph of her too, where she was slim. I mean, like slim, you know, and you're wondering how did how did uh, she lose all that weight so quickly? Okay, Aretha Franklin is seriously ill, according to a person close to the singer. The person who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the person was not allowed to publicly talk about the topic. Okay. Franklin is seriously ill. No more details. We don't know any more than that, okay? She's the queen of soul, canceled planned concerts earlier this year after she was ordered by her doctor to stay off the road, stay off the stage, and rest up. She was originally scheduled originally scheduled to perform on her 76th birthday in March in Newark, New Jersey, and at the New Orleans Jazz Festival Heritage in April. Uh, last year, uh, she announced uh, her plans to retire, saying that she would perform at some select, perform only at some selected things. Um, one of those selected events was a gala for Elton John's 20th anniversary of his AIDS Foundation in November in New York City, where Franklin closed the event with a collection of songs, including I Say a Prayer for You and Freeway. Yeah, she's ill. So uh, the best thing we can do at the, here at the George Wilder Jr. Show is to pray for Aretha Franklin. She is 75, 76 years old. I, I still think that, you know, 75, 76 years old is not young, but it shouldn't be a death sentence, you know. So, you know, we can just pray for Aretha Franklin because uh, she is the queen of soul and her music is out there blasting uh, uh, away. Uh, people are listening to her music. They're buying her old stuff. They're downloading it and listening to her old songs. And Aretha has been out there since, I think, 
um, she's been out here doing it since the uh, late 50s, I believe. And uh, she's been doing it ever since. I mean, she was gifted with a great voice. And, uh, you know, you know, her father uh, uh, was a preacher, you know, and stuff like that. C.L. Franklin, he was a popular. Her sisters, Carolyn and, and uh, some others, um, you know. Um, so we're going to pray for Aretha here because the George Wilder Jr. show is an Aretha Franklin fan. Um, it's just sad to to know that she may not make it. I mean, let's be truthful, folks. They're saying she's gravely ill, gravely ill, seriously ill. And, you know, um, that's not good at all. And you don't want to wake up the next morning or the next hour and you hear um, you hear the worst. All right, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank my guest, Batra Getz. Uh, she was a beautiful and lovely uh, lady that did the show today. I want to I want to tell her that I do totally do appreciate that. I want to say wherever you are in the world listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, make sure you have a great evening, a great morning, a beautiful weekend. And once again, folks, if it's nice where you are, if it's conducive and you can do so, get out there and enjoy nature. Enjoy your surroundings. Enjoy your community. Get some exercise. Drink some water. I want to thank everybody for listening to my show. Uh, make sure you join me tomorrow and the rest of the week. Folks, it should be fun. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Stay safe. And vote blue.